Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Hey, it's Dave here from the Business Systems Summit, and I'm excited for this next session. I've got Esther Anderson, who actually got introduced through a mutual friend. And as soon as they found out that I was running this virtual summit, they said, you've got to talk to Esther. She is the process and systems queen. Now, in the short time that I've got to know her, I'm happy to say that I've been hugely impressed. She sent through the presentation, which some of her team actually built for her and been incredibly generous to say yes, and I'm happy to share that. So I'm I'm super excited. She originally started out with a web design and digital design agency and built up a virtual team based out of the Philippines, which she's ended up systemizing the heck out of. And then as a result, ended up building a virtual staffing business. So very excited to welcome you, Esther, to the Business Systems Summit. Thank you so much, David. I'm so excited to be here. This is fascinating and it sort of proves a point to me because I am so anally pedantic, apologies, but a lot of people want to to find out how I do it because it seems to be easy for me anyway. Perfect. So what we'll end up diving into is very specifically, we're going to find out about how you hire the best virtual staff. So everything from writing of the job ads to the actual hiring process to even onboarding them. And there's some fantastic supporting notes for you guys to be able to customize it and employ it in your own business. Or if you need a hand, you can just reach out to Esther. So if it's all right with you, Esther, I'll let you take over and I'll chime in if I've got any questions as we go. Yeah, I'll let you take over. Thanks, David. Perfect. The first thing I want to talk about is a little bit about myself, my background and where my my team come into it. And that's exactly right. I started out as a design agency because I was based in a regional part of Australia and I could not employ locally the kind of staff that I needed. And not to mention when you're a small business owner, you can't afford to employ 10 people in five different fields all at the same time. So interestingly enough, I happened to be heading over to the Philippines to a mastermind over there and I'd employed a couple of people. So I took the opportunity and when I went over there, I met up with them and we had our first training session, so very pleased. And in that image on the right, you can see where I was explaining in the Pilbara to everybody where I was and most of their clients were they had to get an understanding of what my business was all about before I could expect them to carry that through. So that was the first of several training sessions that I give out. And I now the majority of my staff are all the Philippines. So it's easy enough to, to keep them together, even though they all work from home. And this is the thing, they're not in a call centre. And but we do train everybody the same way. So the biggest issue when you're employing from overseas is that you don't know what you want and you don't know how to carry it through. And it is so different if you're doing a 
employing someone locally. They come, they sit in front of you, and before you even speak to them, you can size them up, their attitude and impression, what they look like. You look at their resume, you know the names, you know the training standards. And so half of that is already done before the person opens their mouth. And a lot of the time, it's just affirming uh, whether you want to employ them or definitely not. So by putting a, a process in place, we can actually simplify 50% of that to because the biggest complaint with outsourcing is they don't understand what I'm saying. They don't know what they they should deliver to me. They take too long. They lie. Uh, you know, so many, so many reasons I've heard why people don't like outsourcing and yet a lot of people go down that road because finance financial reasons are the biggest thing by putting the process in place we simplify that and we get a standard everything has to meet up to standards kpis achieve the goals and it's really you've got to twist it so it's a black and white yes or no do they qualify yes because then you can just sort of discount things but a lot of the time the process is actually to train the client themselves especially having the the virtual staff agency a lot of our issues are actually with the clients and so the process while we roll it out for employing people it's actually training the clients at the same time so when we go through all this it makes it so much easier because you don't just want to employ staff you want to employ almost a joint venture in your company so they work alongside you. So yeah. how do we start off with this? Well, you need to start with what do you actually want them to do? So what we you know, always say, and, and this is the process that we use when we're onboard clients, firstly, in the agency, is we take them through a process to exactly what they themselves don't want to do can't do very well, don't have the time to do, things like administration or it might be managing their social media, whether it's human resources, writing content. Now, all those things actually have to have your personality in them, like what tone of voice with social media or what decision would you make if you're dealing with staff. So going through all that, the first thing that we do is make your own checklist. What do you want to do? And you go through and then you determine whether you want them just to have a knowledge or a skill set and how important. You cannot employ one person and expect them to be good at bookkeeping and updating your website and running your social media. So if you're only going to get the one person, what is the most important field that they need to have the skill set in? So when you go through that, you prioritize what you want and then you can move to the next step is actually what, who you're going to advertise for. Then what you need them to do is, or then you write your job ad. Now, a lot of people use agencies out there. Whatever form of agency, they usually do reference checks as a minimum. Some people just post on open job boards and that's fine too if you, you feel happy enough to do that and trust your own. So you write up the job description that you want. 
but it's not just writing a job description so you get 20 applications and you think, this is great, I can choose from 20 people. You need to write it specifically enough that really you only want five job applications, but you have a high caliber of people. And you also want to sort of promote yourself that you want to be a company worth working for. And think about it, even if you a business of one or two, that's still a company and you're the CEO of your company. And people from the outside perceive you as a big company. And so you have to live up to your own expectations and your own ideals so you can carry them through to your staff. So, for example, when writing out a job ad, you just don't write, I want a qualified web designer in WordPress, some SEO work. That tells them nothing. But if you write something like dynamic new age agency in the niche of medical services wants a kick-ass web designer free thinking, now you're going to get people that are actually in, that could marry up with you and bring something to your company as well. So you write the ad up, you post it, and then you go through and you start shortlisting. When you've shortlisted, then you can start the first initial contact, write them an email, set up a time, explain to them. And one of the things I always explain to the client is the first interview needs to be by video. I'm surprised how many people, even after employing staff for a year or two, have never seen what they look like. The, you know yourself, David, words at the other end of a phone, you, you can't read any any excitement or anything into it. So it's like if you do the same when you do an interview, how do you know if they're nervous or they're just so excited to come and work for you or they're not the best fit? So we, we work through, we um, do the video appointment as the first one. Just yeah. a quick question. So um, we identify, effectively step one is to identify the tasks of the individual and then step number two we look at writing the job ad to attract that person which makes sense and then step number three they're gonna have to list that ad somewhere um as far as like places to list do you have any suggestions or recommendations on where to actually get that job ad placed well the most common one now seems to be upwork if you go to Fiverr, that's all right for one-off tasks, but not for an ongoing. There are other companies out there, different outsource. I mean, you can Google them. I, I don't like sort of promoting one above the other, but they all offer different services. So, for example, with Upwork, it's a job board. So you put your job up, they come and apply, and they hold the funds in escrow. So they must do the work to your expectations, then they get paid. But some agencies will take a finder's fee, do the interviews, shortlist and send them to you. And others, like with my agency, we, we work a little bit differently, is that you get in, to interview the shortlist, but then we stand by and we we offer ongoing training with our staff which is is very different from others so it 
according to your budget and your requirements as to to what kind of um, staff or the agency that you go through. Yep, that makes sense. So then that leads us to the next step. Once you've got the job ad up and running, let's say on something like Upwork or if you're working with an agency, then you'd move to this next step where we actually schedule in the interview. So you'd, you'd try and select from your best candidates from those that apply. Now, those that apply on something like Upwork, they write a little note about themselves that they send through to you. When you're running job ads and things like that, is do you have a particular method of capturing that inquiry? And also, are you asking, I know we'll have the supporting notes that'll probably show some uh, example job ads, but are there any things in particular that you are asking for or requesting that they do? Yes. When I wanted a marketing content writer, I kept it very short and sweet, directed it to the field that I wanted, and I said, sell me yourself as if you were selling a product. Why should I buy you? And I only got three out of the initial 46, I think, that applied, three that were dynamic, absolutely. And often you tend to get people that say, oh, Skype me and I'll tell you. Well, they're the first ones that get deleted because they, they didn't read the, the job ad correctly. And or sometimes I may ask, sh- demonstrate, show me, you know, previous work. But then you have to be really critical and wary about that because especially with web designers, they can say that they help build a certain site and send you there. But because it's not their name, you know, stamped at the bottom of the page, how do you know? So that maybe you might set them a little task, write something HTML or how would you go ahead with coding or have you been a a project manager before and so we have those sort of little questions sort of to really niche down to the standard that we expect. And does that go in the initial job ad or that's after you get a reply and the conversation continues? No, that's the initial job ad because if you go to the second step in that and, and do that when you start communicating, the first time I put a job ad up, I think I had like 120 replies and you don't want that. It's just everybody that goes in there and clicks on apply, apply, apply. You don't want those people. You want the ones that actually read the ad and think, do I fit this or not? And because it's such an open marketplace, you haven't got time to even just delete the the non-job true job offers. So that's why I really, I'm only going for 10 applicants uh, maximum and of those I'll pick three to interview. Yep, perfect. So then that brings us to this one, which is that we're scheduling the interview step four. Yes. So I usually run them, like if I'm doing three interviews, I'll do them one after the other, allowing, say, an hour's break in between. And I always pre-warned them that I wanted as a video interview. They have to have a good sound system and not a cafe because the noise there. Now, when you're doing these online interviews, you really have to think about who you're interviewing. A majority would have internet at home. Occasionally you will get, now this is something that we actually stipulate is cannot 
work from a cafe. They must have internet. And in fact, we'll talk about that after their, their requirements. And so when I speak with them, it may only be 15 minutes online, but I want to see them, hear them. When I set up the interview schedule, I will actually send them a list of questions. And it might only be four or five questions, but think of it from their point of view. They're nervous because this is a real interview for a real job. They're trying to put their best foot forward. And especially with countries like India and Philippines and South Africa, you have to think about from their perspective, you are the CEO of a company that's doing an interview. So they put you on a, a pedestal. And while they're looking up to you, often they are so nervous. So that's why I like the, the video is because I can always then decide whether it is nervousness or whether they truly don't know the answer. So we set that up with the, the questions, go online, and then we talk them through. So this is where you have the process and you have your questions and you, you're trying to find out the skill set. So you will, whether you number it or just tick it from your checklist, you'll make your own comments that they are qualified for the job. That is the easy part because it's based on their skills. Now, because my team all work from home or somewhere, not a call centre, the biggest question we actually ask them, what is your first internet that you have? So they might say a landline. And then we say, what is your backup? And they may or may not say, but they have to have three forms here. So we go landline, mobile device, and then I always ask them, where is your closest Starbucks or co-working location? Straight away, this sets a standard because they know they can't just say, internet's down, not coming to work today. That is not a reason for, and this gets explained to them, they have to turn up for work. So if their internet's down at home, they'll go to their nearest co-working location or a friend's house or whatever. What is your backup for them to work? So that's a big priority. Yep. And so you have a series of interview questions as well? Yes. Is that pretty structured? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we have that in the templates because when they talk about, so it's broken into two sections. One is about their skill set and with their experience at what they've done. Then the next one is what has an impact on their workflow. So if they're working from home, whereabouts do they work? Do they have a dedicated office? Do they work from the bedroom? Do they have any children? Is their partner on night shift? Now, these are the kind of questions you ask or don't ask in our Western society. But over there, the, because we want a very high caliber of staff and dedication from their time, that's why it's very important for us to ask these questions. Yeah. And then when we, we go through everything, we give them opportunity to ask any questions. And we also ask them if they think of anything afterwards, please email us. When I'm doing my interviews, there is not just myself. I have my 
Filipino HR manager sit in because she will do the intro before I join the call. And she, all her, her reasoning there is to put them at ease. And then if they've got any questions, they can always go back and ask her in case they're nervous. And, and so, so that's pretty much the, the interview process there ask about their family. It's all these little things. It then gives you a, a face as well as being someone interested in them. Then you set the standard for your company so they know they have to live up to the standard. And then, then we go through afterwards and we always say, we will get back to you. And it's all, I won't say highbrow, but it doesn't matter whether you're employing a tea lady or a VP of your company, there should all be a set process, check it off, because part of you will go, hey, f from the heart, I will or will not employ this person, but then you really need to look at your, your checklist and go, yep, they're an 8 out of 10. Yes, I can put up with one small failing because they're brilliant in other areas. You have to look at that. Yeah, makes sense. So then when we actually go to employing someone, um, or rather we, we go through and we decide, we shortlist, go through who we're going to pick and we'll select someone and say, yes, they're successful. And the, the others, we say, you're not successful at this time, but may we contact you if, you know, in, in future. Always give yourself a, a sort of a, a little bit of a leeway there because you never know what could happen. So then when we go through and employ someone, depending what the position is, I usually put them on for a test week and it might only be 10 hours. And so I will pay them at, and it may only be half the rate of what they're asking. And it's because I want to be sure. So, and it's not being cheap or anything. I pay them for their time and that's where they get things tested at them and they get evaluated and they get onboarded so they know what they're, I guess, striving for to fit in. They meet the other staff. Even though it's virtually and online, they need to feel like they belong somewhere. So the first week they get paid at half price and or half wage and then at the end of that we go, yep, you're great. We would like you to continue on. You will be at X amount for the next three months and you come on as an intern and over that time we will provide training and we have training in two different sections one is what we expect them to learn in their own time and the other one is we will pay for training and it may only be two hours a week but it's Maybe it's a type of software that only we use. We can't expect them to have the background in that. So we say, right, you need to dedicate yourself and, and go through. So that leads into that. For the internship as well, do you um, have a special rate? Because you mentioned for the trial week you do. Do you continue that over the internship period? We do. And that would be... Okay, let's say numbers here and let's say whatever the job is, the job itself is $15 a week. So then for test week, they may get paid $6 an hour, but it's only for 10 hours. It's not meant to, to work them. It's just to try and find the fit. And sometimes I might even have two people on boarded and say, okay, it's a test week. It's only a few hours, but we want to see if you're a good fit. 
then when they get put on as internship, it may be that they go to the $10 an hour and they have to work for three months. And at the end of three months, they have another interview. And if they do well, because with my staff, it's always three quarters of the wage plus bonuses. And I find that works so much better than paying them average work that they do each week. We work very, very differently from others because our bonus system depends on KPIs in the process because if somebody does an average job, you pay them an average pay, what about the person next to them that goes above and beyond, brings new ideas to you, is extra creative? This is where we always say your bonuses may be X amount or they could be double that or if it's a special project, and then that gives them a sense of achievement. And you too, when something's done really absolutely amazing. So when we go to onboard our staff, and this is back to when they come on and they're employed, so then they have to fill out quite an extensive form about all their skills. And this is when they're onboarding because... Let's say somebody's employed as administration. How do you know that in the future you may need someone that's, like we do have someone that has a background in SEO? Really big time. We never knew about it. But when we go through and we go, what are all the things that you do and what are the things you really like to do? And we, we find out that background, what their family's made up of, where do they live, what is their favourite sports, because we need to know when you're trying to build a water cooler environment from your computer and you're not actually, you know, hey, David, what did you think of the football last week? That kind of atmosphere. So it's like Monday morning and I'm very fortunate because I'm in the same time zone as the Philippines. The first half an hour, I t usually just wipe that because everybody's chatting and that's what we fostered, that kind of environment and asking about families and, and what do they travel and so on. So everybody's happy. Now, if you go to the flip side and you go, well, that, that's a great thing. What's the alternative? is you up, open up your computer on Monday morning and you go, right, I'm going to do this, this and this, flick it off. Somebody at the other end of your email gets them, no good morning, no hi, how are you? And they go, oh, right, this is my first job, this is my second, my third. They do that and they send it back to you. And they're lucky if they get, yeah, that was good, that's it. So from their point of view, is there any reason why they should work harder or better or try and better themselves for this boss if they're not appreciated for what they do? I've had staff where their skill set is not as good, but their attitude, they're the ones that are doing extra training. Whatever, whatever training we have in our company it's free to everybody. For example, if someone's in administration wants to learn web design, we have a web design how-to and they get access. They can do it in their own time and it's free to learn. And when they graduate, they get a certificate. It's all about building the right people. You use your processes nine out of 10 times, but it's the 10th one that's from the heart, from the gut, from the, you know, 
whatever you want to call it, you've got to allow, especially in the entrepreneurial world, a little bit of the heart to go in there. But if you allow your heart nine out of 10 times and you don't follow your processes, you're going to get lots of happy, crappy work, put it that way. So the, the processes keep me on track because I, I do tend to, to procrastinate a lot. So I go back to my processes and I have to lead by example. And that was actually one of the reasons why I put them in place. So then I would be the one having to follow them. And in fact, if I don't follow them, my VA turns around and points it out to me. So you have to lead by example. Love it. That is absolutely key. Like I, I think putting it, it's almost like a positive constraint forces you to lead by example and just another really key reason why systems and processes work so well. I love it. And when we do the onboarding, and I mentioned before that whether you have, you know, two people in your company or 200, you're still the CEO, the founder, the director of your company. So they get a employment contract that gives them, for example, it'll say this is after the first week, they get the, the contract and says, okay, this is how much you get paid. This is how we work with our bonus system. And for us, what we actually do in the Philippines, there's a thing called the 13th pay, and it's usually done in December for Christmas. So what we do in November, we actually do staff interviews and reviews. So then their bonus is dependent on the past year, what they worked. They may be up for a pay rise and then they get the bonus in time for Christmas. So they know they can work towards that. So they get their employment contract. It talks about their holidays. Often I see in forums online where people are saying, oh, there's a holiday next week. Do you actually give your people the week off? And I'm thinking, or the day off, but shouldn't you have decided all this beforehand? Because they have lives as well, not just you. And we always talk about we go away for Easter. Well, or, or you decide to shut down over Christmas. Your staff should be told all this in advance so that they can plan what they're doing as well. So we talk about holidays and it may not even be paid holidays or paid sick leave. That's up to, you know, individual companies. But as long as they know that, yes, that's there and supporting them or family leave, if you want them to treat you like a real company, you need to act like a real company. So employment, they have to sign a confidentiality clause, an agreement. That's very big, especially for our bookkeepers. And it would never occur to them to share information. And this is where I talk about the way we work is because they're working for us. They sign all this. They know what standard is expected. Whereas if you're just hiring from Upwork, for example, you need to put all this in place. So they have the confidentiality. They go through any training, any documentation. Oh, one of the biggest things too that always makes them feel like they're part of the company is they get their own email address at the company. None of this Betty Lou at Gmail business. They, they need to have their own email. And then, of course, if they leave, generally speaking, all the emails will be locked down in, you know, in that account 
if you need to get to them, for example. So training requirements, and then they definitely get explained about the internet because that's a big issue, whichever country. One time I had a big project with with a web design and we had a young designer and he was working through the night. This was something for a function or a big event and that had to be launched on the Friday morning. So because we had issues and because he was working through the night, head developer stayed up online through the night and I stayed up because I always say lead by example and uh, and I would just check in, make sure they're okay and it was two o'clock in the morning. His computer crashed. So he, actually, he lost his internet, he raced to Starbucks, his computer crashed, he raced around to a friend's place, bashed on the door at two o'clock in the morning, grabbed his laptop back to Starbucks and worked through till 5am. And at 9am, the site was launched, nobody was any the wiser. And the biggest thing, David, you can't pay anybody to do that. That's by mm-hmm. employing the right people who've got the same heart as you and that, are, you know, want to give their best. So it's a big thing there. Love it, love it. And you, oftentimes you don't see that type of commitment as sad as it is here locally. Like, I mean, we're obviously Australian-based and some people who really, really want the job will go the extra mile, just as you would. So I, I love it in that leading from the front of the pack. Excellent. Yeah. So once they're, they're on board and they're worked, don't just sort of let them go off and do their own little job. They, you need to have weekly meetings. You, we actually hold a training session once a month in the Philippines. And in Manila, we can get 10 people attend from there. And then from around the Philippines, they remote in and so do I. So what happens is we all block that day out of the calendar and the ones that remote in, we're there, we get told one staff person will be the MC of the day, the facilitator, and they have to arrange a team exercise. So I might get told that I need to notepad a pencil and a couple of coins. And so then this actually helps the juniors gain confidence when they've set up a a 15-minute presentation. They present to their staff and we've all got the laptops up and we can see what's going on. We all have team building exercises. And so that's usually at a co-working location. Then we we supply the lunch and then we finish on for the, the rest of the day. What that helps is team building within them. And they often catch up sometimes on a Saturday or a Tuesday. A couple of them will meet up midway in a co-working location. And then the rest of the time, everybody works online. And that's just their own sort of background and, and to inspire togetherness with the team. Something else that someone told me recently is they had four staff who very rarely communicate with each other. And that surprised me because we, we all talk to each other. We have breakout rooms. We have, you know, different uh, silos in our, our company. So it might be uh, the design team and the dev team and the social media marketing. And we have interaction between them as well. So that's always a, a big thing. So you have your monthly meetings, but then every quarter there should be KPIs. You need 
key performance indicators. How well are your staff doing? And is the problem with you or is it with your staff or is an external influence? And so you go through, and it may be that uh, a lot has to do with it is support ticketing. And you see down the bottom, you know, the little happy faces, sad faces, and it might be kudos. And as corny as that sounds, if people don't bother letting you know your staff did well or didn't do well, it's something that you can't chase up or uh, improve the situation. So it may be that they've been given training. So you sit down with them and go, how did the training go? They couldn't surprise you and get 100 out of 100. Or maybe if they got 50 out of 100, then you go, wow, you made the assumption that they could do something and they obviously can't. You need feedback to improve your company because you don't want to be the same company in a year's time or two years' time that you are today. You would like things that work smoother and faster and less issues and go above and beyond and and achieve higher achievement so but if you don't put a line in the sand today and say this is where we are and then monitor it in 12 months time how do you know that you're any better than you were previously you have to have these benchmarks and that you can tick things off and look at the scores and in turn have your staff score you did you give them clear and concise instructions or did you procrastinate or were they waiting on you because this is often the biggest issue i get is people tell their staff i just go ahead and do it and when they did it it was not what the client wanted you see you have to think always flip around don't always blame them um i I get a lot of that but how many times does it come across that it's the entrepreneur or the director is at fault because they think they're above the training and it's only their staff that need training. So by having a process, it keeps you accountable to them, they accountable to you, and then at the end of the day, you can sit back and go, wow, we really achieved that. The outcome was above and beyond anything we ever imagined and it enhances your reputation and your work environment. Yeah, perfect. I know you covered quite a few little points in there. So that's some to do with the initial onboarding and then some almost to do with the the ongoing management. Oh, perfect. There's a recap here. Yes, yes. You know, even if you just start off with an Excel spreadsheet and the number's 1 to 100, and if you don't know how to write a process, just do a, a brain dump, you know, and start where you think. Once you've, you know, like employing someone, writing up the job description, all the other things, what do they need, the skills they have to have or what you can train them. And you can always change number 72 down to 69 because that's higher priority. But there's your process there. That's how simple it can be because not everybody's a gun at writing processes. And all that means is a checklist that, you know, is numbered in in sequence. And you, you start with that and you can end up with something flashy and formatted and put into the desk manual that everybody reads before they start work. Yeah, perfect. And you've got so many good um, supporting notes I've gone through those that kind of give someone an example on on how to get started and see what a completed process looks like. Yeah, it's easy now because 
whenever there's something that needs to be done, I'm lucky I can ask the team to start up the process and they may have it 70% done. Then we sit down with a little brainstorming session and I go, well, these are the things I need to see in there. And I'm very much about working with my team. And I think that's why we achieve higher results than, than a lot of others. Yeah, perfect. Well, I, I think we covered the main things in good detail. If people wanted to find out a little bit more about you guys and, and maybe even get your help with regards to recruiting staff or I know you've got some different services that you do offer, where's the best place for them to go? Okay, well, there's two places actually. We actually have a, a podcast, The Ins and Outs of Outsourcing, and they can go to, to either Facebook or our website, insandoutsofoutsourcing.com. And for any virtual services, and this is a tricky word, it's smofonzi.com, Smart Office Online Services. So it's S-M-O-F-E-N-S-E.com. And they go to the, the website there and they can contact us. And even if they only have questions, I don't expect them to sign up or anything. They can contact me from either of those and just ask anything, want some guidance, want someone to check on your staff in the Philippines because we started doing that when we have monthly meetups. We're actually allowing other client staff to join them, them so they can start feeling like a community themselves too. So always think about your staff too. I love it. You've got some really smart initiatives and a few of the sessions or sections in your session, I was almost like, wow, like we're definitely reading from the same book. So yeah, definitely love what it is that you're doing. Excited to see how we might be able to work together. And there's probably going to be a few things that will shake loose from this presentation. So I really do appreciate you peeling back the curtain there for the Business Systems Summit. And if people want to find out more, I'll have all of the links and supporting notes underneath the session as well. So thank you again, Esther. You've just been listening to the System Hub Podcast. Remember, we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business. Head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now.